Welcome to the Performance Nutrition Podcast, giving you the latest evidence-based research and cutting-edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubbs. Welcome back, or welcome to the Performance Nutrition Podcast. I'm Mark Bubbs, and this is season number six. My guest today is Dr. Tom Little, PhD, performance and health specialist with over 20 years of professional experience and currently working as the head of performance for Sheffield United Football Club. Tom's also the author and creator of the Color Fit Method, which has been used extensively in pro sport by many of the world's best teams, including Manchester City, Arsenal, and Chelsea. With over 120 recipes and meal plans and multiple tailored training and nutrition plans to suit a range of goals, it's simple, it's sustainable, and it's evidence-based. So you're going to get a lot of information from the man who designed it here today, Dr. Tom Little. In this episode, Tom and I are going to discuss his background in sport and his work at Sheffield United, the value of expert generalists in sport, and of course, how we can use this color fit nutrition method with athletes, talking game day strategies, strategies for achieving higher carbohydrate intakes around compressed schedules. We'll talk about some of the biggest challenges we face with younger athletes, some of the blood testing metrics they use at Sheffield, and just a whole bunch more. So tons of great insights here from Tom. ColorFit Method book is fantastic, great resource for any practitioners. So definitely encourage you to pick that up and put it to use. Before we get started, quick announcement, the summer cohort of the American Football Performance Nutrition Online course is underway. Level up your evidence-based knowledge around nutrition and football from leading experts working in the NFL and NCAA. With 10 modules over 12 hours of course content, you can earn CEU credits and connect with monthly mentors to expand the breadth of your performance nutrition knowledge. Right now, you can save $50 off the cost of the course using the promo code SUMMIT. That's SUMMIT, S-U-M-M-I-T. Just head over to performancenutritionpodcast.com forward slash football and join us for the summer session. Again, save $50 off the cost of the course with the promo code SUMMIT. Just head over to performancenutritionpodcast.com forward slash football. All right, let's do this. My conversation with Dr. Tom Little. Tom, really appreciate you carving out some time for us today. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on. Huge, huge fan of the book and the show and all that, that you come with. So, yeah, really honored to be on. Well, listen, likewise. And, you know, I know a lot of listeners will be already familiar with you and your work, but I think it'd be great to give everybody else, particularly in North America, a little whirlwind tour of your of your background, if you could. I'll keep it to the short version because there's certainly nothing too extravagant in there. I'm... Uh, I call myself a performance specialist, been working in the industry over 20 years now, I think 24th year I'm in, showing my age a little bit, but I'm certified nutritionist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, work primarily in elite sport with football. I'm currently head of performance at Sheffield United Football Club. I'm also the founder of Hero Pro, which is a nutrition app that has done quite well in the uh, pro sport, but also corporate well-being. And I've recently uh, become a debut author with my book, The Colour Fit Method, which the nutrition app is based on. Amazing. Well, we're definitely going to dive into that. And, uh, you know, I'd love to start things off by just talking about, you know, your career. Can you walk us through, you know, the early days in the career? What are some of the, the challenges that stick out, some of those lessons learned that, you know, when looking back now, you think, geez, that was 
that was beneficial to go through some of those lumps. Certainly, the main challenge for everyone now is getting a job. And when I tell everyone how I got my job, it makes them absolutely sick to the stomach, given you have to have a master's and so much work experience, et cetera, to work on the bottom rung. But I'm that old. I actually saw my job advertising a newspaper. So we're lucky enough to get that. And then that was working through. Main hurdle, certainly when you're first starting in our industry, tends to be pay. Uh, it's certainly quite difficult. Um, it's quite polarised, so you, you're very low on the spectrum until you're not, and then you're very, very high in the spectrum. Also, working in pro sport, a big hurdle is that you're likely to receive your P45 quite quickly, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So that that was an earlier barrier as well, but I was fortunate enough to work for a consultancy company at the time because those specialists, sports scientists, performance coaches, whatever, were, weren't that... Uh, established certainly in the UK, I know uh, in the US and Canada, it's much more established the SNC industry by that time. But it was something that came in as it became more established. Obviously, I became offered links with certain specific clubs, so I went down that path. Yeah. And, and the main challenges of uh, as everyone would face is the trying to stay up to date with everything. When we first started, you had to be a real generalist, so. You were doing everything. I was like half physio. I was a masseur. You'd be the nutritionist. You'd be the sports scientist, but all your sports science. When I first started, the polar uh, heart rate monitors were the cutting edge and it would take you about half an hour to download each one. Wow. So, time and, and uh, reacting to anything in real time certainly didn't exist. And it was kind of all, all, all posts. So, yeah, it was trying to. Uh, accomplish all the jobs now as it gets more and more specialized the tech's increasing it's trying to keep up with everything and, and keep modern and on the edge and um at least I was say, that, if, call it. for sure if we kind of pin it there for a minute and just talk about your role now at sheffield you know looking back having to have to have done all the jobs and now being in charge of a organization where you're, obviously you've, you've got specialists in certain areas that you're going to be bringing on board how is that you know walking through the mindset there and the change in terms of how you how you lay out that uh, performance staff well basically it's brilliant i can put my feet up like a big cigar and let all my guys get <laughs> on with the job because they are absolutely fantastic so at sheffield united i'm lucky enough to head up the performance team and we've got a dedicated sports scientist dedicated snc dedicated uh, late rehab and we, then we have two nutritionists on board as well so they're excellent and like I mentioned before I, I, I um, kind of present myself as a generalist when it comes to performance all my guys although they have specialization they are supreme generalists as well they've worked in all aspects of the job and that makes my job incredibly easy because they have an appreciation for how all the different departments work and interact and appreciation for the importance of everybody's roles in there in terms of bouncing off ideas it allows it to be a real democracy rather than going in and being autocratic as a leader mm. because everyone has that appreciation and experience mm. for what's going on able to generate fantastic ideas from everybody that has had different experiences different knowledges different biases and it's just been a joy to come into that field. As a leader, obviously, you've got to adapt what you're going to do. And it's about generally providing 
clarity, supporting everyone in your department as much as possible, um, audits, clear goals, tasks derived, and the likes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very different from how I first started. Really challenging, lots of uh, learning and CPD around leadership and how yeah. to motivate and drive a team. But it's, uh, I think it's hard. It's about that clarity that might change from time to time, but it's having clear direction for your team about what you want to achieve, how you're going to achieve it, when you're going to achieve it, and then actually executing those ideas. We can spend mm. like months and months and years coming Talking up about with it. <clears throat> what is our culture, coming up with these buzzwords and spending ages. It, that, it doesn't really matter. It's about what are you doing? You can spend too much time on trying to make these things perfect. You've got to be right. We've got a good idea. We've got a good establishment on the direction we want to go. Let's start executing these ideas. So, for example, at the moment, we generate in an individual development uh, plan for each one of our players. So everyone, a coaching staff and a performance staff has been uh, allocated to a certain group of players. And we've been gathering lots of information on them through uh, questionnaires. We've got them to write a success story for themselves in the future, um, canvassing coach and performance staff. And then we're generating all that into performance plan, giving them clear direction of where we think they can benefit the best, whether it be strengths or a weakness. And then again, it's executing all those ideas. And we're fortunate enough to be able to do that really well because we've got the staff to do it and we've got the coaching staff to do it. And we have got that clarity in what we want to do. Yeah, it's tremendous when you can see problems through another practitioner's eyes so that everything isn't a nutrition problem or the SNC doesn't always think everything's a strength problem and the sports scientist, you know, everyone has their biases, but be able to see it through the lens of the different practitioners is such a such a benefit. You know, if we look at a couple of things I want to touch on that maybe circling back to that success story piece, obviously mindset plays a big role in performance. Is that something that through the you know, performance psychologist side of things or what brought that about of having the players kind of really outline what success means to them? Yeah, at the moment, because it, it is one of the bigger performance roles that I've got into. I'm trying to just swallow a leadership book every week. So <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm coming up with lots of principles from lots of different areas at the moment. But I think psychology most comes down to common sense. You're never mm. coming up with anything that is absolutely groundbreaking and you, you had to be incredibly innovative to bring it up or develop a new basis of science. It's all very, very commonsensical. It's about doing these common sense things well and doing it in a good order and doing it in a good time frame and, and making mm. it accountable and achievable, all these, etc. So I don't think there's anything too great it's just having a really good knowledge of that the specifics of your environment where they are where the budget allows what your core values are as an organization as a whole organization not just as a performance team and really aligning yourself as much as possible depending on the type of sport but within football or soccer as you like to call it yeah performance mainly comes down to your your tactical and technical objectives physicality is a subject subsidiary of those elements so you really have to have that very very clear alignment with the technical and tactical desires and overall ethical approach 
um, approach from the coaches. So it's getting that really cl close alignment in terms of goals, in terms of language use, in terms of structures. And again, coming into this team, I've been super fortunate that we're all housed, the, uh, the medical, the uh, coaching staff, the performance staff, they're all housed in the same offices. So it nice. allows it to be realistic very easily and we're able to bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, it's interesting psychology when you say that, you know, you think back of 2000 years ago, a lot of these, uh, you know, sayings or principles were already established or thought of or written down. And of course, we're, we're sort of circling back and, and getting more granular with them. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a massive disservice. There is a lot of cutting edge new science as well. So disrespectful uh, yeah. bastard. But, and there is there's certainly neuroscience yeah. and the lights that is like if you read uh, yeah. it. Yeah, clarify where they direct fast, your attention. Think slow and, and blue line thinking, the high performance podcast book, all things like that that go into real uh in-depth levels of how we think and react and are emotive beings and the likes but uh i think when it comes down to pr principles of outlaying those kind of highly seen scientific areas again they're fairly commonsensical in the end for sure I and mean, we you know i recently had uh, emma tester dr emma tester from tottenham on and her speaking about the coaching staff deciding to shift in terms of their, you know, new coaching staff came in, they decided to pivot in terms of how they view nutrition. And of course, she then had to, you know, overhaul what they were doing. And so I'm curious, you know, from your point of view, you know, you mentioned there, obviously, everyone having the similar values or, you know, moving in the same direction, obviously, with coaches, that's always the last sort of line. And it can be challenging at times to really be able to line up exactly with the performance staff and what you want to get accomplished, you know, can you speak to that a little bit of just being able to, what are some of the potential challenges you've seen maybe along the way before your time, even at Sheffield of trying to communicate with the coach or to really be able to support what the, what the coach is trying to do with the players. So as I said before, kind of alignment of their language and want. So a, a big thing at Sheffield United is that we play at high intensity and physicality is going to be a huge factor in how we perform. We've shown clear correlations between our high intensity distances and how we're performing as a unit. Things like a high press and the likes that require these high high intensity physical physicals have been shown to be really prominent in our kind of good performance as well to that we're looking at this season because of the winter world cup we've got a ridiculous game fixtures as yeah. you're doing basketball we're playing three games a week every single week um so then are we aligning those high intensity demands that are completely regular to our nutritional elements and how can we sell nutrition through that football vision goal and then it becomes a lot easier so things that easy relate to that are around uh, carbohydrate periodization and making sure we, we're getting uh, sufficient carbohydrate stores to fuel that high intensity that we've said is so important are we maximizing our recovery strategies because we know that game is coming again um, and that's around the whole food approach from a supplemental approach as well and the list just goes on 
So it's about how do we get that buy-in for the specific objectives of the whole bigger picture? And then how can we do that from a more um, specific frame point from nutrition? And those are the things that have just jumped to my mind very easily. Yeah. There's lots, <clears throat> lots more going on with the nutrition in, in terms of, like I said, recovery and health. But the, the big blocks that we're trying to sell to the players at the moment is making sure that before every game, we've had sufficient carbohydrate stores, and then we're also approaching a little bit at the moment about the appropriate approach for our substitutes. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many games, the governing body has increased the amount of substitutes that you can have. So you can pick up to seven, five okay. of those that can come on. But we want them to have a slightly different approach when it's close to game. So we always want them to maximize their carbohydrate stores because they could be on after a couple of minutes and therefore that's important. But do those players need the same approach whether they come on or they don't come on during the game. So should they be having, so for example, you'll see players snacking on Harry Bowls and things like that during the game. If they're mm -hmm. substitutes and they're doing that several times a week, that's perhaps going to be inappropriate in terms of calorie consumption, in, in terms of sugar consumption that might lead to body composition problems. Mm -hmm. So again, it's framework, it's bigger picture, and then it's developing tasks, what's ever specific for that kind of point of performance or sports science. Yeah, I mean, those compressed windows are obviously really key areas in the schedule to try to get right and get an advantage. And you're talking about this year with the World Cup being in the wintertime, which it isn't normally, and now the schedule being more compressed. I mean, imagine this sort of fits in with, with a lot of the uh, principles in the book around, you know, you mentioned periodizing carbohydrate. You know, how do you, if we talk about some examples, you know, what are some of the strategies you might use to try to get some of your players up to that, six, seven, sometimes eight grams per kilo of carbohydrate, depending on how much they're, how many minutes they're logging. Is there certain things around liquid forms or, or the post-training meals? And how are you adjusting some of those factors? Um, first of all, uh, we don't get our players anywhere, anywhere okay. near eight grams per kilogram. So yeah. I'd like to be upfront and honest that I don't yeah. think many footballers um, we'll get near that. There's still a, a degree of carb phobia that's out there, but we are tackling it. And I think we tend to get around the five to six grams to six kilogram. Um, and certainly the supplements that can help around that, that are quite concentrated, that we, we would advise the day before a game and on the morning of a game that can certainly help. With post recovery, obviously, that's an excellent window. It's been shown you don't have to get in that one to two hour window. The uh, glute four heightened receptors will stay there for a good while, but it's just yeah. convenient and it works to have kind of. I use Matt Jones's from he's at West Ham, nutritionist at West Ham, his kind of four phase approach yeah. where it has opportunities immediately after the game, the snack that they take away with them. Uh, the the main meal and also the snack before they go to bed. And we're looking to get the right amount of carbohydrates and protein. So we're looking about one to 1.2 kilograms per body weight of carbohydrates, about 0.4 grams per kilogram of protein. And then the fat tends to take care of itself. But yeah. one of the main reasons I came up with the Colour Fit concept was I was trying to promote 
card periodization to our players is without doubt the best way to go for somebody that's got to train harder, compete regular. And mm. the fantastic uh, work uh, done by Burke um, showed quite clearly if we do that, we can have, if we have, so basically card periodization, very simple, just increase your amount of carbohydrates around hard training and, and competition and decrease them when it's less and then by that way you can get your performance when it needs to be there you mm -hmm. can also stay keep a good lean body composition and you can also stay healthy by when you're not competing at those high levels you're going to decrease your amount of carbohydrate and promote foods that are going to promote being healthy and promote having a lean body composition so it's kind of holy triad but what i actually found with my players were they're having a real polarized approach to carb periodization and it was rather unhealthy i'd say lacking yeah. in whole foods and the like so what i'd see is around hard training competition lots of refined grains yeah. and processed foods so the likes of high sugar content high refined grain content so just your your white breads your pastas your cereals yeah. lots of bars and the like and when they were coming away from it the ones that did decrease the carbohydrate they kind of went to a really what i typically saw was a super high protein approach where yeah. there was lots of meats and eggs and things like that uh, bars and the like and they were just avoiding whole foods that we're trying to promote to them and whole foods are a bit more tricky because they're a bit of a blend of the macronutrients sure um but if we promote those foods to them they're going to get the right macros that we want but they're also getting all the fantastic things that come with whole foods your vitamins micronutrients yeah phytonutrients yeah. your fiber your good fats that are going to have huge huge benefits to all areas of health and performance so they're the ones that we want to try and promote but they just found that more tricky so I, my line of thinking was right how can i shape meals so they intuitively and simply know what to go for mm -hmm. and the first point of call was right can we group meals into these broad categories that uh, footballers but anybody is interested in so one performance two, body composition, and three, health. We thought carbohydrates can go quite easily into performance because they're our most efficient fuel source. So if we can rely on them mainly, we're going to be a bit faster. We're going to be a bit more efficient. We thought there could be arguments around this, but body composition, we went with protein because it's really important for staying lean because it has a high satiety, has the lowest net calories. It can help boost your metabolism. Also, if you want to increase muscle mass, it's key. Mm -hmm. um for as your building blocks for muscle if you want to get bigger uh, from an, an athletic frame point and then health health is a bit more complex but we came up with this concept called the health score that was super objective so that nice. quantified your rdas of your important vitamins your minerals your fibers and your fats and the likes that we've already talked about so we divided that into kind of a pie chart um so and then we give it an intuitive name an icon and a color that made it really simple that that was a right constitution of meal for your goal. I, yep. I appreciate this is very visual, so it might be hard to <laughs> visualize. And then we also, obviously, we realized that calories are also important. So we invented a real intuitive layer to that called the calorie load gauge. And that's our sat on the outside of the pie chart. And thankfully enough, that all looked like a plate. <laughs> so we called it the Color Fit Plate. 
and that seemed to work really well. All we were saying to the players was the what we call performance fuel was green. So we were saying to the players, when you're coming up to training or hard game, look for a bit more green on your uh, colour fit plate and a bit higher calorie loads. And when you're not, bit less green, bit more of what we called health or lean muscle and lessen the calories down to more moderate levels. And that, like I said, you'll achieve all those things of being able to perform when you want, stay nice and lean and be super healthy. Yeah, it's great to have those, those heuristics even, you know, as you know, for professional athletes who are busy, they have a lot of demands and, and how can we, you know, on the one end, you can have the practitioner who has a, an idea of, of grams per kilo, but at the same time, we can accomplish the same thing by having just a general heuristic and, and view of the plate like you provide here, which then achieves the outcome without necessarily having to overburden even the athlete. And of course, you know, staff or whomever can have more of, a, of the back end numbers. But uh, how, how did yeah, you find it? doesn't have to be the color fit plate as well. I'd like to say I've got service to my book and sales and everything, uh, uh, but there's loads of examples out there. And I just adapted uh, what the, was the color fit plate from ideas that already existed with the government healthy plates that you see around the world that framework uh, meals into different goals as well. So it's more along your vegetables and salads, your, your protein sources, and then more your starchy carbohydrate sources in there as well. So it can be approached from multiple planes. It doesn't have to be specific for what I've done. I just kept thought that was the most intuitive layer because beyond just having uh, the names, it has the colours, it has the icons. So even it came about from my six-year-old son being near me when I was designing it, and yeah. he knew the objective of all the different meals. So we went with that. Nice. Yeah, and again, just being able to see those, you know, the plate sizes like you do, like you partition, is is great for athletes because it shows, hey, half your plate should be, or two-thirds of your plate needs to be this. And so that's a really easy way to highlight to them if they're not getting enough and uh, you know, as well as obviously the different food elements, which you, you cover in the book and, you know, for yourself with working with the nutrition staff, is there, you know, a focus around game days of more of the rices and the passes or more of the dense carbohydrates? Is it more just, you know, appealing to the, even the palates of the players to make sure that they're getting some of the, the foods and things that they enjoy? How do you, how do you balance those things out? Appeal and taste has to be first and foremost. Everyone, players in particular and athletes tend to be emotional uh, beings. So you have to have that buy-in from sight. We first eat with our eyes. Um, obviously, taste is super important in there as well. And there's, there's lots of ways you can kind of encourage people to go follow the kind of macronutrient principles that you're going to lay out so layout of your food is quite important and obviously the content of the food so we'd go as we're approaching match day or hard training day we'd certainly have more whole grains in there and we would have more starchy vegetables in there as well and we try and section out our food service into kind of goals as you're going along so we try and group those elements together so we're saying Guys, today, this is the one where you should be having, you can say in any way, so you could be saying two fists, half a yeah. plate, whatever it be, all those reference methods of when they should be up. So we have a graphic on the TV, depending on what match day minus it is for the recommendations of the play. Nice. 
got posters in there. Obviously, we've educated them themselves. And then it's about the layout of the foods over the different meals as well, relating to your, your different choices. So, and the chefs are aware as well. Say it's a max diet, day minus one, and somebody comes in and just asks for a cheese and ham and omelette for the breakfast. Mm. The chefs know to say, no, that's not appropriate, and recommend an overnight oats, a porridge, pancakes, and fruit, whatever it may be, muesli to try and achieve the objectives that we're trying to do which pisses off the <laughs> Well, that sounds like you got a pretty good uh, rapport then with the performance staff and the chefs. I mean, uh, chefs talk to me about that. When you find when you a good it, chef, right? just cling on to them like the, the first lover of your life because a, a good chef is everything, I'd say. They bring all your nutritional ideas to life and a, a good chef will be able to present good taste, good aesthetics, good knowledge of groupings of the food, being able to handle the budgetary requirements, which is, is quite big when it comes to feeding a, a huge team in there. But that aesthetics and that taste, if you don't have those layers of it, food should be a joy. It's about there's so much of the socialization and psychology that happens around your kitchen within sports teams. They're there before training, they're there after training uh, all the time. Some chefs travel with the teams as well. So it's a huge, huge factor on the overall kind of performance and social structure of a team. So if you get a good chef, like I say, and performance chefs are becoming more and more an integral part of the performance team now. But if I get one now, I tell them I love them every single day. <laughs> and please stay with me. It is amazing how compliance is the ultimate equalizer for compliance, isn't it? Because if the food tastes great, then the athlete all of a sudden is on board. Uh, whereas if it isn't, it can be challenging. And you know, you go through in the book a lot of different recipes for drinks and things, obviously getting carbohydrate intake up to some of the levels that you're looking for. That's a really nice way uh, on the liquid side. What are some of the popular ones with the with the guys at Sheffield or, or throughout your career that you've noticed with the players? From a liquid point of view? Yeah, like drinks, smoothies, that type of thing. It is becoming more and more um, prevalent these days. And my experience of it is the kind of like the more um health-based shooter type shots almost so there's that's yeah. ones that you can buy so like the likes of turmeric and ginger and all these things have coming but you can obviously make them them yourselves from good vegetable juices and obviously a skilled chef in terms of brewing uh certain concoctions so like getting your um doing the turmeric with curcumin and your black peppers and your vitamin c's and the like they all kind of work together to increase the uh potent nutrients to help with inflammations and the like um so they tend to like those kind of shooters in the morning nice rich array of um kind of smoothie bowls or actually smoothies if you vary them they tend to work well Really vibrant colours, so all kind of your berry type colours, your yeah. green type colours, just automatically relate themselves to health. But it, it's that knowledge of how to make them healthy, but still taste absolutely incredible as well. Mm -hmm. Knowledge of how to get a bit of protein in there as well. So it's, if it is the main source of your breakfast, you, you're just not getting more kind of your carbohydrate as a, a macronutrient, even though there's lots of other things in there in terms of things that are, are good for you uh, uh, as well. But you clever use of spices uh, as well, things like cinnamon, uh, vanilla and the likes, mm -hmm. they make them super appealing, but also incredibly healthy for you at the same time. We mentioned inflammation, both those uh 
spices relate to in inflammation and lots of other benefits as well. Um, and obviously liquid when uh, athletes don't have much of an appetite after they've worked really hard yeah. or they've come out of strength training. So obviously whey protein that goes into a lot of the shakes, that's the easy, the fastest form of getting uh, our amino acids into the body. And also it's a real, can be a really condensed uh, format of carbohydrates um, and, and having that kind of fructose and glucose blend in there as well can maximize the transportation of carbohydrates back into the muscles and the yeah. liver just to promote that quick recovery. So, yeah, liquids do come into there quite a lot, but food first, food first all the time. There, are, there, there can be problems with liquids in terms of it's sometimes just viewed as a snack or something that I'll just add on to my diet, and they can yeah. be quite calorific. So you need to be um, wary of them, particularly getting the lights of things like avocado going in there and nuts and seeds going in there. All of a sudden, you could be looking at something that's easy in the kind of 400 plus calorie range. So um, sometimes you do have to proceed with caution. You need to know who you're, who you're talking about in the context, right? Whether they're starter, substitute, worrying about body composition, you know, obviously that context matters. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode. A quick reminder, if you want to stay up to date on when each episode of the Performance Nutrition Podcast drops and receive evidence-based insights every month into your inbox, join the Athlete Performance Nutrition community by signing up at performancenutritionpodcast.com in the black box. That's Athlete Performance Nutrition monthly newsletter. Sign up at the performancenutritionpodcast.com in the black box. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Now, what about um, picky eaters? You know, every team, especially the young athletes that come in, it's a challenge. Obviously, it sounds like you've got a great environment that you set up. You've got the performance chefs, the food's tremendous. And so that's likely going to pull them towards. But is there challenges that you've experienced, whether in the past or now, you know, when you get that young athlete on board who just really struggles to, to get enough, uh, you know, whole food, good food on the plate? Yeah, constant bloody challenges. And it always comes down to vegetables. That yeah. that is the main one. I have it with my 60, 16 year old daughter. They're just young men. The the they're used to kind of a bit of a refined, highly processed diet, and the taste buds have changed, adapted to high salt, high sugar, high refined refined grains and the like. So they they can find vegetables incredibly bland when it when it comes to eating them but that's when it becomes about the cooking skills so obviously the cooking skills of the chef but it's about they're in charge of their nutrition the vast majority of the time they're they're looking after themselves and yeah. there can be these young men are just thrown into the big bad wide world they could have come through an academy or a kind of boarding structure where all the meals are provided to them. Care of all them. of a sudden they signed for a club as a pro. The 18-year-olds have got all this money, but they've never cooked anything for themselves in the kitchen. So, one, it's scary. Two, they don't have the skills. Three, they have, they're affluent enough to go out and eat all the time. Uber so it's a huge problem. So then it becomes about education of that individual, and that's where the big change with ColorFit came about was when we started making video demonstrations for every meal to nice. actually show to eat healthfully and eat tastily it's not that complex that yeah. <clears throat> it, it can be really easy and it and it's key meals as well if you're starting off so things that 
uh, nice and simple that you can make a huge different variety of very easily. So they're not just copying from a recipe all the time. So yeah. meals that lend itself to this type of structure are like stir fries, casseroles, um, tray bakes and the like. There's loads yeah. of ways that you can build that to suit your goal and you, you can educate them around that, but also make the, the vegetables within that meal incredibly tasty and that is mm -hmm. just coming down again to a little bit of knowledge around herbs and spices but they can also buy a lot of pre-packaged ones now yeah. that are pretty healthy you have to be aware there are some bad ones out there but modern market good place to start food, with a lot of young athletes yeah it's so health focused these days that there's a huge market out there in there so you can buy buy your pre-prepared kind of sauces spreads marinades whatever it be that are going to make those vegetables taste really well and it can be cooking techniques as well so if we're roasting vegetables and the like it can bring out their natural sweetness a lot more so the skills mm. within the cooking that we can teach them but really simple start simple um really easy recipe ideas and provide them either with kind of cooking lessons you can uh, do that on site or really simple you can do a video for them anybody can start a whatsapp group or do it on a cloud drive where you'd say yeah. google drive where they can just link to these videos access them for free anytime it's kind of monkey see monkey do visually appealing again and yeah. that, like i say those video demonstrations for me have been the biggest jump in our adherence to uh players just giving it a go Amazing. Amazing. Well, listen, I want to circle back to one of the things you talked about around kind of food being about emotion and joy, because it's challenging sometimes to balance out the, the outcomes we're looking to get as a performance nutrition staff and still keeping a sense of the, you know, the dining table, the dining room is not another area where the player is being assessed and, and everything else like the rest of their day. So how do you guys balance that? Is there certain, you know, outings you might go on or, you know, you've alluded to even just the, the culture with the chefs and whatnot, but how do you kind of balance that out of keeping things kind of fun and light when it comes to nutrition? Because it can get to be another area where an athlete feels like they're being assessed by what's on their plate. Yeah, and it sounds like it's like that as if the chefs are telling them off what they're having for breakfast, but I assure you it isn't that. Yeah, My no, thing no. with nutrition is it's about being in the right ballpark most of the time. If you're super over-prescriptive, you're weighing your foods, et cetera, I know that's necessary for some athletes, whether it be a weight category athlete mm. or um, a bodybuilder in the light, an aesthetic athlete, but in the main, it isn't required long as you've got a good natural gauge for what's going on. So again, you hear these rules like an 80-20 rule, so eat, eat right 80% of the time and you, you can have a bit more freedom 20% of the time. And like yeah. I said, food is about it's so it can bring so much joy it's about enjoyment mm. it's one of life's great things so it's having that balance about doing the right thing um but also being loose enough to uh, sometimes allow them chocolate or birthdays to bring certain uh treats in and and the likes yeah. but again if you could take healthy food can be tasty if you do it right so mm. you can get the best of both worlds as long as those cooking skills 
all right, and you make them visual appealing, you have that variety in what you're presenting to them. You might focus on kind of different types of cuisines on certain days. Yeah. And I just I take the credit for this. Our, new, uh, our nutritionist, Lee Reichardt, came up with this. Yeah. And he we we did have on birthdays that uh, players brought in cakes and donuts and whatever they wanted, just basically treats. Yeah. And we told them we wanted to change that. <laughs> that went down like a fire and a lift <laughs> but what he did instead was that he said right when it's your birthday tell us what your favorite foods are or your favorite type of cuisine and on that day we're going to we'll cook that it. type of food nice. so this is quite new and uh, 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 we've had a couple of birthdays since and it, it's gone down an absolute storm amazing the first two guys were kind of caribbean based food yeah and i've got to tell you it was absolutely incredible and the lads just bought into it so much when it had to awesome. happen. I, I had plantain for the first time in my life, and that was like, where has this been all yeah, my life? delicious, right? Absolutely amazing taste. And I was like, this is incredible. And like I said, all the guys bought into it so much. So I think like the feedback from that sort of stuff will be a great more detail from now on because we're a bit kind of sketchy and vague about it at first, still uh, yeah. a bit upset about not having the donuts. But <laughs> from now on, it was, a, it was a huge success. Nice, man. Plantains get the carbohydrate density up and all that potassium. Well done. Uh, if we pivot a little bit here, Tom, and just talk about some of the metrics you might collect to inform that the player's on the right path. So whether it's body composition metrics, whether it's, you know, blood testing, you know, what are some of the things that you might be looking at to ensure that your players are, you know, adapting well and the player health is, is on point? Yeah, we have quite a big testing regime and bloods is part of that. So the, the typical things that they're looking at and maybe get individual supplementation. There's iron is certainly one, vitamin D is one, vitamin B12. So we do supplement if anyone's short of that. And then we do the um, body composition test just with skin full calipers. Um, so we look at that and obviously set the guy's targets. But I'm a big one for just looking at the players and looking yeah. if they look lean. I think with skinful calipers, certain athletes, mesomorphs, it can be a bit un unkind to. I like to call them skinny fat men because when you, <laughs> you're taking uh, the caliper lead, you, you tend to get quite a lot of muscular tissue and they yeah. just don't have the kind of makeup where the uh, subcutaneous fat tissue will just slide off the muscle. It just mm. kind of sticks there in one thick, thick bot, even though there isn't that much tissue there. So mm. I, I'm one. We, we also take pictures of the lads, and what we've decided to do is have a picture on their locker that it represents them perhaps not uh, the, their best body competition. And one, we've just took one recently <laughs> yeah, at the end yeah. of pre-season where they're all looking pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. So, But we've done that in a way that really pimped them up to look good. So we had <laughs> nice. the nice lighting, we got the really nice to take yeah. it. And then to take pride in that. And uh, again, it's a, one of our core ethos is that we want to have a lean team, not just because the effects of, of just being lean, but the psychology of being athletic when all the guys are looking around, they know everybody within that squad is super athletic. There's a effects on injury prevention. So it's obviously a gravity-based sport. So there's all the loading metrics that comes with mm -hmm. having uh, unnecessary body mass relates to lifestyle. So lifestyle of anything to do with information, sleep, 
organ health and the life that comes from it's not just being lean but it's also it's around those things of having a healthy diet that incorporate uh, well does promote being lean because i'd say to anyone if they need to be lean what what is the primary thing to do is have a healthy diet yeah on that avenue <laughs> along but I, I won't do that um but yeah i'd say they'd be the main ones that we'd look at in terms of testing and just kind of culture and observational stuff as we're going along tremendous well you know as we get towards the end here i'm curious to pick your brain if we shift gears a little bit on the mental health side you know in sport mental health there's obviously much more awareness around it and and of course, the athletes are under a microscope that's completely different than even 10 years ago, but definitely 20 years ago. So just curious your thoughts around, you know, what you see uh, at the top flight of football or even down through the academies of, of player mental health and where maybe some of the gaps are that we can do a little bit more in terms of supporting. Um, I'm certainly not an expert in mental health, um, but yeah, there are a lot of pressures on these young men and you look in society of whole happiness seems to be uh, on the decline and suicide. And again, that's a whole rabbit hole that we could go down with social media yeah. and social support and how we were designed to communicate and be uh, kind of community structures. And, mm -hmm. and that's become a bit analog rather than human interaction. Um, but I, get, I keep on going back to our core philosophies. But honestly, one of our core philosophies is about enjoyment. So we're mm -hmm. always looking for avenues on how we can maximise enjoyment, whatever we're doing. So if it's fun aspects of training, making the warm-up more fun, making the, the kind of speed training kind of competitive all the time, having these little games before we get going, head tennis and the lights in there, making nice. the, the environments where they are kind of enjoyable as possible. So music, when we're doing our prehab and our strength training and we get the players to choose different tracks for different nice. days. So again, it's one. always kind of their buy-in what we're doing and I think free time is a big thing because I've, I've discussed about how busy our schedule and how busy our training schedule is. can you get can you come with a compromise sometimes so they do get time with themselves and time mm -hmm. when their families are off because a lot of the time because say for example you're playing Saturday and Tuesday you know typically be in on that Sunday to maximise recovery and train the group that didn't uh, perform in the game. But we've yeah. come up with system where perhaps not all the time that we have to do that. So post-game, can we do a, a big training um, session with all the guys that have not been involved? Cover off the strength training, cover off football, co cover off the conditioning. And nice. then... When the guys are off, we've actually come up with this 100 points protocol where at home they could do a lot of risk of, uh, recovery strategies that we will promote, things like recovery pumps, ice baths, protein drinks, compression garments and the like. And they're all worth different points depending on how effective they are. Okay. And they're going to send us pictures on WhatsApp and things like that to prove that they've been doing that. So... This is great. fairly novel, but we're hoping that does work and we're going to monitor it in terms of how well we're performing on a Tuesday and discussions with the players as we go on. But I think when you can give free time and when you can be economical with your training, so, for example, kill two birds with one yeah. stone, just use your most effective training for formats and kind of trim the unnecessary bits that you might add on on the side, um, I think that spare time and time with the families is key because say if we're in on Sunday and we give them Monday off, 
it's that much use to the player because yeah. his kids are at school, his wife's yeah. gone to work, etc. They've just not got that kind of social joy that comes with having time off when most other people are off. Yeah, it's a great, great point. And, uh, you know, even developing that autonomy around them taking ownership over some of those recovery strategies. I mean, and being efficient, as you say, is is, is tremendous. And trust Tom, as well. Trust is Yeah, trust, exactly. Yeah, trust is adult. Yeah, exactly. Novel, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> awesome, Tom. Listen, um, you know, to wrap things up here, could you give us, you know, if you had a, a tip to give uh, young practitioners or, you know, experience for that matter, you know, a, a tip around, through through your work over the years, you know what, what's a something you might uh, provide them. Um, I think so. It's been a philosophy of mine for a- ages. It's just approach everything to genuinely, genuinely. Sorry, try and help the person, athlete, whoever it may be that you're working with. Don't approach it from kind of showing off your own skill set. So you being overly busy with someone that it might be it's just if your heart is in trying to help someone and whatever it may be but improve um their performance help them socially um help them within their mental health if you're just there as someone that genuinely genuinely is trying to help that person you'll never go far wrong amazing well listen tom i appreciate the time uh, you know, the book's tremendous, definitely something with the carbohydrate periodization we use a lot. You've done a fantastic job of, of the granularity and all the recipes and everything else. I mean, it really does bring it to life. And imagine with it, you know, on the app, is that where we get the videos and everything else? Um, certainly, um, it's an easy way to get the videos on the app, but the book actually does contain QR video links to every single recipe. So Amazing. there's over 120 recipes on there, and you just grab your phone, your iPad, whatever it is, pick up the link, and it'll take you to a video demonstration. So that's great. Again, we eat with our eyes, that easy little demonstration. Mm-hmm. You can see how easy it is. Get that confidence for everyone. And same with the training section as well. We, My big thing, make every as simple and practical as you can so with the training content we've come up with another um, something called the training load gauge which makes the type of training how hard it's going to be super intuitive and then we've got video link demonstrations for all your kind of circuits yeah exercises on there to make it super practical as well incredible listen great great asset to have i suggest everybody pick it up and tom appreciate you covering out some time you know where's the best place for people to to keep in touch with you and and stay up to speed with your work um on the socials is at hero pro sports uh that's on insta um facebook and twitter um i'm also dr little tom on twitter on linkedin i'm just my name thomas little um the website for the app is www.heroprosports.com and the book's available on Amazon and all good bookstores. Amazing. We'll definitely include all those links and uh, yeah, those those links to the to making the recipes is tremendous. I know we'll have a lot of uh, a lot of the coaches in the U.S. college sport uh, definitely taking advantage of those for sure. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I got I gained lo- so much from your book as well, Peak. So I highly recommend that as well. It's been a, a, a great source of learning for me from lots and lots of perspectives. Well, listen, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be keeping tabs on you this year. Best of luck in the season. Thanks very much, Mark. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Performance Nutrition Podcast. 
To watch the full video interview and short clips from this episode, check out our YouTube channel, Performance Nutrition Podcast. Finally, if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. All that good stuff. It's a massive help to the show. Until next time, take care. The Dr. Bub's Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bub's Performance Podcasts.